Okay, there we go. What are you waiting for? Do it! Triple M. Jeez, we love our outrage in Australia, don't we? If it's not Chris Gale a couple of weeks ago, it's Mitchell Pierce this week. It just there's always an outrage that's gonna make you think, thank the Lord for Tracy Grimshaw. But there'll always be something to put you off your dinner. But I thought we would in fact look at a different angle of the uh, the Pierce story. And that is, of course. The dog. I wonder if it's going to be like the Cosby thing where there'll be hundreds of other dogs all lining up going, hang on a second, I was involved in this, he's not the only one. But I just wanted to prove to you that, uh, do you remember that movie Red Dog starred the Kelpie, Coco? I thought we would get him on the phone to prove that dogs aren't just sex symbols, they can be actors as well. Hey, Coco, great to have you in the rubber room. Oh, thanks very much, Phil. Quite a, a few other... So there's been a few other dogs in Australian TV, Coco, that... Um... Look, actually, sorry, Phil, uh, I'll just stop you there. Uh, I thought uh, my agent had spoken to you before this interview. My, my name's not actually Coco. That's the, uh, that's the name I used in the film, of oh. course, the character's name, but my real name's Rollmop. Rollmop. Uh-huh. Right. So... Yeah, and imagine, uh, I mean, know, being a dog, it would be harder for you than a lot of other people as well. A little bit of political correctness uh, these days, Phil. Uh, only dogs can call each other the, the D word. Oh, oh I beg your pardon. Uh, canine. canine. I'm sorry. Oh. Are there many roles for canines now? I mean, I imagine a role like this is a role of a lifetime. It's a yeah. role, and if, I don't, if you don't mind me saying so, it was just, it was just right for me. I attended NIDA in Sydney. I really tried myself into the work, and sometimes when I read a character on the paper... Yeah. I can actually visualise in living colour, which is interesting because uh, I know a lot of you folk uh, say that my kind of folk, canines, uh, yep. we can't see in colour. But the, the great thing, of course, is it's a Kelpie, but you, in fact, aren't a Kelpie, are you? No, I'm not, Phil. I'm actually uh, mostly Labrador. Oh, really? Yeah, my mother's side has uh, got quite a pedigree line of Labrador. Sure. Uh, my father was, uh, uh, well, I, you know, my father left me when I was a pup, but... Uh, yeah. Uh, Mum tells me he was uh, predominantly, uh, had a lot of Rottweiler in him. Right. But yeah, so it called upon some, some real method acting uh, to, really, to really become a Kelpie. Yeah, sure. So, Rollmop, where do you go from here? I mean, having you know, the success of this particular as you know, playing uh, a canine in this film, will you continue to uh-huh. play a canine uh-huh. or would you like to... You know, a lot of this depends on the hard work of my agent, yeah. Catherine, who... Sure. Uh, there's commercial work here, Phil, but look, I don't want to go back to doing dog food commercials, you know. Yeah, no, sure, of course, I can imagine. For God's sake, it's typecasting, it's a little demeaning. Yeah, well, listen, we'll leave it there, uh, Roll Moppy. Um, uh, a great role um, as a red Kelpie, and we can't wait to see what you do next. Thanks, Phil. So I had a bit of a fight with Mrs. Ugly today, so it's kind of like, there's a reason why I was in a bit of a weird mood when I got to work today. Yeah, I did notice you were in a bit of a mood. And it's incredible, like, when you have a fight with someone, like... Sometimes you try to do something to make up to them for the fight. And so I got her a scratchy card. <laughs> what? To make up for it. And that made things even worse. But I think, you know, like, the thing is, when you get into a fight with someone, it's a little bit like being drunk. Perhaps sometimes your true feelings come out. And I actually broke up with a girl once, or she broke up with me, because after a fight, she said, and by the way, I hate the way you brush your teeth. Wow, that must have been bugging her for ages. I know, and you think, well, how, you could have told me this ages ago. Firstly, and secondly, you don't like the way I brush my teeth. What, how do you brush your teeth? Well, apparently not the way she liked it. She said the way you suck on your toothbrush oh. when you're you trying s- to 
Do you suck on what? Well, to take the moisture out of it, to rinse them out. Oh, to, no, but, yeah, yeah, I get that. That yeah, would be yeah, really annoying. Yeah, well, apparently that was it. That was enough for a relationship breakup. But as I said, you can fight sometimes about things that seem ridiculous at the time. In fact, one triple three five three. now. Tell me about the most ridiculous relationship fight that you had. Especially one of those ones where afterwards, like, you look back at it and go, really, was that worth all of that pain and a $5 scratchy card? Todd, stupid relationship fights. Oh, it's actually, it wasn't me, it's my mum and dad, but, um, yeah, when I was a kid, they used to, uh, dad used to be doing the dishes in it. Every sort of six months, he'd, uh, he'd come around and he'd be saying, he'd shoot me dishes and, and cups in the dishes and cup cupboard and then they'd have a full blown argument about it. And you ever fought with so your missus about stuff? Uh, no, I haven't actually because it's one we laugh about as well. But you still look back as a kid and go, well, what the heck was that about? Hey, Jono, what happened? Well, yeah, one of the silliest things I think is um, the coffee and the, the tea um, with the, the, the spoons. Right. You know, like I believe that uh, one spoon for the coffee and one spoon for the sugar. So and you're the one who sounds like you're picking the fight. No, I'm just being practical and normal. Like, uh, why, why, why mix coffee in with the sugar? Yeah. It, you know? Like, Could this be a, perhaps a deeper-seated problem, Jono? Well, I don't know. There's been a couple of moments, you know? I love it when the newsroom let me help them write the news. David Warner was last night crowned Cricket Australia's Alan Border medalist and says he still loves playing and has no plans to cut loose foot loose, kick off the Sunday shoes. <laughs> and Paul Gallen is still interested in getting into the ring. Last night we had Peter Kane on the show, as we do every week. Peter Kane is the dog trainer from New York. Um, and we had a pre-recorded segment on the show with him, which, standing on its own, would have been fine to play last night. Until the Mitchell Pierce thing happened. Just to give you an insight into what happens behind the scenes of a radio show. You have to be reactive to something that's happened in the news. Even if you've got a pre-recorded segment, which ordinarily you could play and it could stand alone, it's a bit bawdy, hence the reason we play this. The following program contains language and subject matter that is adult in nature. Discretion is advised. However, our chats with Peter Kane are quite bawdy, but ordinarily would stand on their own and we could play them. As soon as the Mitchell Pierce thing happened, we had to can this segment for 24 hours, uh, as you will hear for obvious reasons. But apparently it's okay now. Yeah. Andrew. How's it going? Now, this dog of yours, Andrew. Is a stuffy. He's got a licking fetish. He'll lick you half to death, up and down the body. <laughs> well, our skin is salty, so the dogs start doing it. When you're talking about every part of your body, what, what the fuck are you talking about? You know, about <laughs> just get sex with their wine, you know, lick their wieners. It's stuff like that, too. <laughs> no, no, nothing like that. He'll lick Thank your hand. God. Saturday night, if I give you five bucks, <laughs> come on, man, what's it to you? Where's this going? <laughs> Here's the deal. You don't want the dog doing that. That's just unpleasant. You're not sending enough pressure to the dog. You're not telling the dog no properly. How old is this dog? Uh, he's only about a year old. Yeah, so you want to nip this in the bud. Have you done any obedience training with him? Um, no, not yet. Yeah, see, that's a problem. You're waiting too long, man. The obedience training should start right when you get the dog. 
Yeah. Teach the dog all basic obedience commands, sit, stay down while here, heal. Yeah. And when you're doing that, you'll get a refusal from the dog. Now, when you get the refusal, that's your opportunity to start saying no to the dog. And you attach a leash correction with the word no. When you need to use the word no for something like this, it'll mean something to the dog. No is what we use to tell the dog when it's, you know, in the wrong position, when it's doing something wrong. So it's very important that you stick to that and don't make it into a sentence. It is never, yeah. no, stop licking me. It's just no. Make sure the dog doesn't misunderstand you when you say no and it thinks you're saying blow because you don't need that, right? <laughs> I'll, I'll yeah. keep that one in mind. <laughs> Nobody should be that lonely. You know, you can always get a watermelon or a cantaloupe. So there you go. That's the fun we have with Peter Kane. What's going on, Todd? Not much, mate. Just out here working. Where are you working tonight? I'm heading down to Geelong to uh, pick up a forklift. Will you pick up, once you've got that forklift, a crate of forks? Because I just live for that. <laughs> hey, I've got a question for you. Yeah? How did you end up with such a beautiful offsider? Is it just to equal, equal out the equilibrium in the office? Or That's exactly right. Make... It's like the quid pro quo, the, you know, having an evil twin. You know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. And Sammy X is available if you fancy a night out with her. I would, but I don't think my wife would be too happy with it. <laughs> She'd probably say a fork is out of the question. Well, this is true. What's happening, Mark? Yeah, I'm just listening to that song. I heard it this morning. I'm just driving back from Parramatta home to Collaroy. It sounds like Rob Thomas, but I'm guessing it's not. Which one are you talking about? Three Doors Down. Right, in the dark. It sounds like what to you? Rob Thomas singing on lead. Three Doors Down had that song Kryptonite. But if you ask me who the lead singer was, I wouldn't have a clue. I'm with Matty John on that. I hate Kryptonite. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> Do you know what? I've often thought, though, if you're in a band where nobody knows who you are, you could actually pass yourself off as a member of that band if you ever went to a bar and there was an attractive lady there and you sidled up to her and you said, hey, do you know that I'm the lead singer of Three Doors Down? She wouldn't have a clue that you're not. Well, that's very true. And that's then you could go... It's a great song, that. And then you could go, you may know me from that song, Kryptonite, but then she'll say, yeah, well, what about another song? And then you could go, <laughs> well, there's In the Dark. Uh, which is a better song than Kryptonite. I'm with Matty Johns on that. I was in a bar in London one night and these guys sidled up to me and they were like, hey, how are you? It's great to see you. And I thought, well, they obviously don't have a clue who I am, but I'm going to go with this, see where it leads. And like, it's great to see you. Can we buy you a drink? And I thought, well, of course, let's go with it. Um, unfortunately, I didn't say too much at the beginning of it because they thought I was Fabio Bartes, who was the French goalkeeper in the World Cup, <laughs> uh, who perhaps looks a bit like Moby, who perhaps looks like me because all bald guys look the same, right? So I just went with it for ages. But I had to then affect a French accent when I realised that they thought I was <laughs> of funny. She did. Yeah. So I'm sort of talking like this, you know. Uh, when I realised what it was, I'm like, I'd been speaking my normal voice for 10 minutes and then all of a sudden I started speaking sort of like uh, when we were in the World Cup and we had that game against Germany. It was uh, I took a few terrific saves, but it was amazing. That's Mexican. Yeah, well, whatever it was. They fell for it. But not as bad as somebody I know who one morning at 4 o'clock in the morning in the seediest bar in town convinced people that she was Cameron Diaz. <laughs> no, I didn't convince them. They just assumed that I was, yeah. and I just went with it. Yeah, four o'clock in the morning at a seedy bar in the middle of nowhere. Cameron Diaz! Yeah! I got a couple of free drinks out of it. Hang on, I've got one more thought about you passing yourself off at four o'clock in the morning in a seedy bar. Okay. As Cameron Diaz. Yeah. That well-known American actress... Cameron Diaz? Yeah. Didn't they click at some stage? The accent wasn't quite right there? It was four o'clock in the morning. Yeah, I don't right, exactly yeah. look like Cameron Diaz either, do I? You know the movie uh, Lost in Translation? The really annoying actress, who uh, the blonde one that sings in the bar, annoys the hell out of everybody? Yeah. 
based on Cameron Diaz. Oh, wow, there there you go. There you go. So there's a video doing the rounds of a man playing ping pong with his penis. That's the video. Unfortunately, that's as much of that as I can show you. But I get the gist. Yes, I did say gist. The man appears to be using his penis as a paddle to hit a tennis ball. What's the punchline? What's the punchline? At the risk of opening up the phones and God knows where this is going to go. All right. Man plays ping pong with his penis. Guess he brought his own ball. That's brilliant, Phil. All right, what do you got? Is that a bat in your pocket, or are you just pleased to see me? Hey, there it is. How about this? Is this a game of ping pong? Or ping schlong? Oh, hey, that's come the best on. one. Thank you. Have you got one there as well? What's the One triple three five three. Man plays ping pong with penis. I know Cash rang through before, but I couldn't hear him. What was his punchline? He said, what was the difference between pink and purple? His grip. Of course it was. Let's get some punchlines. All right, how are you? What have you got? I'm really well, thanks, Phil. Man plays ping pong with penis. What have you got? The ball's in your court. <laughs> how are you, Michael? Fantastic, I can't wait to hear it. Man plays ping pong with penis. No, man plays ping pong with penis. Ping pong! <laughs> how are you, Anthony? I'm taking my bat and balls and I'm going home. Yes! He had a good grip, though. <laughs> Hello, John, how are you? Good, Phil. This is the old Chuck Berry uh, classic. Yes. Ding dong, ping pong. Ding dong, ping pong. Or if you like, great balls of fire. <laughs> how are you, Simon? Good, Phil, yourself? I can't wait to hear it. Are you going to use that to paddle or piddle? <laughs> Up the creek without a piddle. What have you got, Dave? She's got the blue bat and I've got the pink fat. <laughs> Lucky you didn't have the pink bat because that would be on fire. <laughs> All right, Rob, what have you got? Oh, yeah. You can say he's got keeping his eye on the ball. Keeping his eye on the ball. There it is. Thank you. You're welcome. And there you have it, the punchline. What's the punchline? Yes, and the punchlines keep coming in for the man who plays ping pong with the penis. Paul says, is he an international player called Ping Dong? <laughs> Sam? He retired after having a stroke. <laughs> Lucky the ball wasn't in his court. No, mate. I've got to talk to you about Craigslist. If you ever want to know how weird the world can actually be and how twisted and humorous but sometimes sad and very perverted life is, go on Craigslist. Here's more weird stuff on Craigslist! So there's an engineer who claims to have built a robot with women's private parts and he's looking for someone to have sex with it in this ad on Craigslist. The condition is that whoever has sex with his machine has to let him watch them doing it. He's described his artificial intelligence robot as featuring a vagina. He says, I can't have sex with it because as I created it, I'm like its dad. So the ad says, come F my robot, posted on Craigslist in Malibu. The man's included a photograph of the iCub, which is a humanoid robot developed as part of the five-year EU project. And I bet all those EU scientists never thought that this would end up on Craigslist with this particular request. But the robot's got 54 mechanical degrees of freedom in its limbs and torso. It's able to crawl, visually perceive and sense its surroundings and uses its hands to grip. How tight's its grip? (laughs) So there you go. It's an offer to go and make love to this guy's robot as long as he can watch at the same time. 
I got to wondering how far we are from having sex doll robots. I don't know, Merrick on The Drive Show was talking about this earlier on today and how I think he said he tried to smuggle a sex doll in a camera. That's treason in some parts of the world. But anyway, I've got a woman on the phone, Michelle Mars, who has done some research into how far technology has advanced in the area of sex dolls. Michelle Mars, a sexologist, is on the phone. You know what? I don't think we're that far off it. I think it's more likely that what will happen is we'll become more and more and more augmented as human beings and then that the whole kind of mind flip that people have to do to get their head into the idea of having sex with a robot might be such a big step. I see, I disagree. I think especially as a man speaking from a man's point of view and with technology advancing the way it is, if you've got robots that are doing the housework for you, and you can get something done without any repercussions, I think that men would be jumping straight in, if you'll pardon that expression. Yeah, they probably would. And that's probably more the reality of it, is that, you know, robots are going to become part of our life. The jump to think about, you know, doing something sexual with a robot is not going to be a massive mind change or something that you really have to get your head around. No. I mean, if you think about my mobile phones, right, what we think of a phone today is this little thing that I'm holding in my hand right now. Yeah. In the past, when we thought about what a mobile phone would be like, you had like Maxwell's Smart with a phone in your in his shoe, or you might have thought of like you know putting a whole not like massive telephone in your handbag, and how could you possibly kind of tote that round? But when we think about what a phone is now, it's a completely different thing. And I think the way that we think about robots now, and the way that we think about robots in 20 years' time, is is also completely different. And also, if you look at sex dolls, they're making those so realistic now and being embraced by people, perhaps a little bit too enthusiastically by some <laughs> people, end up marrying the thing. But that's been adopted really quickly. And for a lot of lonely people as well. It's not just people who are perverts, yep. for Christ's sake. No, people have uh, an emotional connection with um, animals. When You know, when you think about, you know, when you're a child, you have an emotional connection with your teddy bear. I mean, it's not such a leap to think that we might have an emotional connection to a robot, which is something that's, you know going to have an interest in us, it's going to remember things, it's going to know what our preferences are, so why shouldn't we be connecting with something like that? Why wouldn't we connect with something like that? We'd have to reinvent the, you know, vocabulary in the, though, like, oh, there's plenty more robots in the sea, mate, or, uh, you know, <laughs> <laughs> there's a robot for everyone. It's probably more like Cherry 2000, where there's, like, you know, people want their particular robot. But here's the thing, though, with prostitution being the world's oldest profession, and some would have said, for a long time, the safest profession. I don't because I don't, I think, you know, like anything, some people are going to have a preference for humanity. Yeah. Even like human beings will be augmented human beings, you know, if they want something which is authentic, it's like the disconnect between what is authentic and what is a robot and what is kind of a, not a robot won't be so obvious as it is now because we'll have a, a lot more um, kind of a cyborg culture. The number of people who have implanted devices in Australia between 20, 2000 and 2010 I did some research on that. That number kind of increased uh, exponentially over the decade. So I would say that the number of people here who have an implanted device now is probably somewhere around 20% by mm. 2015. And, you know, that's just going to keep on increasing exponentially. So, you know, little kind of tweaks and, you know, differences we can make to ourselves by having some kind of medical device implanted. It's going to be something that we tend to take for granted, whereas now we might think that like, maybe a cochlear implant or, you know, any kind of implant that might be a little bit icky. It's going to be sort of part of everyday life, and a lot of people are going to have them. I had to go down to Hot Dollar today to get myself a pair of leather gloves, a man's signet ring... And a toy cigar, don't ask. Suffice to say, I didn't get any of those things. However, I did get a kid's toy talking Sesame Street phone. And what happens is if you press the button, it speaks out the number. So you can learn to use the phone and 
you know, grow up and be a good adult. But one of the keys you press is the voice of is the voice of Cookie Monster. And I want to play a little bit of a bit of an experiment here in acoustics, alright? So press the button. One. And that's one of them. Five. Right, but this one. Three. Cookie Monster. Nine. This is my favorite. Nine. Alright, press this key. Nine. Okay, now what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna play some Ramstein over the top. Here we go. And then I'm gonna You know what I'm gonna do? You ready? Here we go! Nine. <laughs> and again! <laughs> and again! Here we go! Oprah Winfrey decided to buy a 10% share of Weight Watchers. And by buying a 10% share and getting involved in Weight Watchers, their stock went up and she made $70 million. And then, because she was part of Weight Watchers, she lost about 5 kilograms. And by doing that, she made $20 million. How's your day at work today? Robin Ockrent wrote a book called Living Oprah, My One-Year Experiment to Live as TV's Most Influential Guru Advisors. Thanks for coming in, Robin. So why did you decide to live your life for a year? according to Oprah Winfrey. Well, you know what? So many women already do this. I think they uh, they try to live according to Oprah's ideals. And uh, a lot of women in my life were kind of beating themselves up because they couldn't find Oprah's favorite bra or, you know, they, they couldn't uh, find Oprah's favorite jeans or, or they weren't able to get through one of her book club books. And I thought, why are so many people beating themselves up over this? And I wanted to get to the bottom of why Oprah has such fans. And so I thought, all right, I'm going to play crash test dummy for a year and see what happens. Were you a skeptic initially? A little bit, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, you know, my tongue was in my cheek here when I started this project. But at the same time, if you're going to put so much time and energy into something, you kind of hope maybe it'll work. I'm suspicious of people who have too much unelected power. Right. Where you don't have an agenda. Right. Uh, So you kind of wonder, is there anything insidious about this? Or is this person actually, do they have a good heart? Okay, that's a good question. Here, I'm going to challenge you back at this because I think she, in many ways, is elected. A lot of people think she's too powerful, but I say she wouldn't have her power if we yes. didn't buy her magazine. So, um, I don't know. There's something where we kind of, it's like this cycle. We just keep making her more powerful and powerful, and, and then, uh, you know, we keep looking at to her, uh, women, especially in, in my country, you know, we, we look to her to set trend, to tell us how to be spiritual, to, to fix our finances. People want presents from Oprah. We're, we're obsessed. And yet, because her name is on everything, we all think that all of those words are coming directly from Oprah Winfrey. Right. As well, and so you know, she's very different than opening up any sort of you know cosmopolitan. That doesn't represent a person, you know. Do you think that you were somehow you know led to the Oprah way of life and and being led, but not realizing so? Yes, but I followed her rules and I dressed the way she told us to dress, and I ate what she told us to eat, and I read what she told us to read, and suddenly I fit in really well. Right, and it was really easy because I didn't have to make any mistakes. I wasn't taking any risks whatsoever in life because I fit in. But then uh, the thing that I'm ashamed to say is that I kind of liked it a little bit. 
Mm. I needed a few months to kind of deprogram myself. I don't think she's the bad guy. I think our need as uh, this culture of women who think we're broken and that Oprah might fix us, I think uh, we aren't trusting ourselves. People not thinking for themselves anymore and thinking that this is going to give them a life. Right. Yeah. No, you're right. That's exactly it. I, I don't understand. And, you know, also this whole idea that the grass is greener. Yeah. I, you know what I mean? That's yeah. not reality. And yet we're setting ourselves up to believe that we can attain that reality. It's impossible unless you have a staff following you yeah. around. <laughs> so, <laughs> Thank you so much for coming in. My pleasure. So we've got a big guest tonight and a couple of girls around the office to help out as well. International panty sniffing clairvoyant. Dorian Pastel, welcome to the Rubber Room. Oh, well, hello, Phil. It's nice to be here. So, uh, we've got a couple of women from around the office. Sarah. Hello, ladies. Hello, Hi. Sarah. What and a pleasure to meet Nikki you. as well. Nikki, hello. Now, can you tell us how the technique works? So, you sniff the panties, and then you can tell the future of the panty wearers, is that right? Yes, well, one can do this with any particularly personal and intimate object because it captures the essence of the person. Right, okay. Well, Sarah. You've, thank you for removing those, and if you can give those to Dorian now. Yeah. You look sceptical, can I say that? Well, also, it's been a really sweaty day today because it's been so humid. Well, dear, these black nylon numbers won't work with that. You might want to try cotton because of the sweat. But, however, the nylon is particularly good for... Oh, is that good? Is it conducive for... Will, will they hold oh, on so to the Oh, so this is going to work in my favour. So just a moment now, and I'll have a little feel and a look here. I'm seeing a canoe and a paddle. No, not a canoe, but a paddle. A paddle of some sort. I went kayaking on the weekend. Yes, yes. Wow. Yes, I I can sense that. And these obviously, just for the people listening at home, would not have been, well, I assume they would not be the same underwear that you were wearing at the time on the weekend, considering it's now (laughs) Tuesday evening. No, I have a handful of pairs. Yes, yes. Oh, goodness me. Then, <laughs> uh, apart from the paddling, that was just something that instantly came to mind in the kayak. But I'm also seeing somebody in your life, a G, is it Graham? Is it, Gra- is it Gregory? Who's Gregory? Okay, well, he's this new person that I've met. What's his name? Gregory. Gregory. Greg, really? Yes. <gasps> I could go on, but I know we're pressed. We are pressed. Would you like to have a big sniff and just tell Sarah what's going to happen in the next uh, few weeks for her? Big sniff of the panties. (sighs) I'm seeing a job offer. Yes, I see you travelling, and I think you're going to Melbourne. Has there been an offer? If there hasn't, there certainly will be one. Not that I can share, but it was something I might have been looking into. In Melbourne? Definitely down south. <laughs> anyway, I'll hand these back to you. And, thank you very uh, much. Thank you. We we'll get was... Nikki up next. Mm. Wow, incredible! International panty sniffing clairvoyant Dorian Pastel here in the studio. More futures will be told in just a sec. Uh, and may I say, Dorian, this is quite an unusual. I mean, it's a great talent, but it's a very unusual talent you've got. Well, thank you, Phil. Thank you. It's it's not that dissimilar to reading tea leaves in a teacup. It's probably a lot uh, different, in my opinion. But anyway, Nikki, you've yes. got your panties here as well. I, I do. Shall I just pass them over? Yes, please do oh. pass. So okay. a little g-string number here. I see. Yes. Uh, you. Oh goodness. 
look, be careful. I see you're having a lot of late nights yes. and some partings. You're a dancer? Not professionally uh, or not on the pole, but yes, I do like a, a bit of a shuffle here and there. You do like a shuffle, not particularly fond of the pole. No. Yes, I can sense that too. I'm seeing a friend of yours and she's, she's, I, she works at a, a prison? You have a friend who's a, yes. a prison warder? Really? Yes. Yes. That's oh my gosh. Really? You're making that No one knows about that. Wow. Vivian. Yes. Oh, no way. That's weird. I'm not always uh, so succinct with the names. Uh, <laughs> a little more of a sniff. And, oh, you have a Maltese Terrier. I do. Wow. Oh my goodness. I must confess, that's not so much a psychic thing, but there's a little bit of fur on the outside of uh. these panties here. Uh, which I, I can, It's the Maltese. It is a Maltese. <laughs> uh, look, just look. I am, I am sensing something here too. You do rock climbing. I do, hmm. not necessarily successfully at the moment, but I do enjoy it. Yeah. If, if ever there's a hobby one wants to be successful at, it's rock climbing Absolutely. because the alternatives are rather flat out, if you know what I mean. <laughs> uh, has she got a good year coming up? Can you tell anything particularly, yeah, Dorian, from the, from the sniffing Nikki, of the panties, Nikki? I do. You're you're a lucky girl. I, if I was you, I would go straight from this studio, and uh, with your next opportunity, I would buy myself a lottery ticket. Oh, wow! You're I'll in come luck. with you. Yeah, absolutely. What a skill! What a talent! How fortunate are we to be able to be witness to the incredible Dorian Pastel? International panty sniffing clairvoyant. Pretty yes. crazy. Thank you. Very you're crazy. all too kind. Au revoir. A bientôt. I'll see you soon. It's the rubber room on Triple M. Hang on a second. Sammy X. Sammy X, come in here for a sec. Quickly, come in here. Now, I don't know if you know this, but it's a well-known fact that if you work in radio, we all have to share the desk, right? This thing that I'm in front of here. Yes. With all the buttons. Yes. Okay. It's a well-known fact that on every radio desk in Australia, at any given time, there's always a pubic hair on the desk. Oh, I... Come in and see uh... if you can see it. See if you can see it. There it is. I yeah, can, yeah. Is this from this panty sniff? I don't even know who that's from. Oh, look at it. Oh. Every radio desk in Australia has a pubic hair on it, and there's your living proof. Well, it's got nothing to do with me. That's yet. your radio lesson for today, okay? All right, thank you. We've got a big name in the studio, and he's already played live tonight. Have a look at the Rubber Room Facebook page. He's about to head out on tour. Please introduce him, Mr. Inappropriate. Whoever said a rolling stone gathers no moss should see the moss growing in my shower. It's a whole new level of grout. Please welcome to the rubber room, Ian Moss. Listen out to the wind, baby. Listen out to the rain. Thanks for popping into the rubber room, mate. How was the chisel tour? Uh, really good, mate. The dream run. Uh, you know, we rehearsed hard. Everyone uh, played hard, uh, played well. I don't think it was a dud gig at all in there. Everyone got on well, uh, finished up well, finished up getting on well. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> which always is always good. good. It's always well for the future. Yeah. Uh, and uh, got some good numbers and good reactions and, yeah, very happy. And is there going to be a continuation of this? Look, we haven't had any discussion uh, as of yet, but, uh, you know, we're just about to release a second single, Long Dark Road, uh, so things are still grinding away in the background. Um, everyone's just taking a break, we're, so we haven't even had any discussions, but... Uh, There'll be more for sure. With you, with the uh, 10th anniversary of Six Strings, gee, that went by quickly, didn't it? Uh, yeah, <laughs> tell me about it. You know, when I first started the whole, uh, doing the whole acoustic thing, it was pretty disarming to start playing and there's no band. I really <laughs> am on my own. <laughs> yes. You were part of a whole and now you are the whole. 
So it took a bit of redressing, and, and the best way not to, you know, was to not try and panic and play it like he did in, in the electric band because it would be pointless, but to just focus in on the lyric and support the story and, and, and enhance the mood of, of the story yeah. and just use the acoustic to enhance it. It's funny, you know, I've heard Bow River and played it countless times. I've never heard that bit before in that particular way. Do you get like that sometimes when you're singing it? Possibly. I mean, you're not, not really aware of uh, until you uh, of what you're doing, except my basic philosophy is to try and improve, enhance, try out new things without taking away from the song. And sometimes I'll be playing the song for 10 weeks and listen to a recording at the beginning of the, the tour and it's the end. And there's all sorts of different stuff going on, yeah. which, which you're unaware of. And I guess because it's got a bluesy feel about it as well and that you've got you're just you doing it, and it's a spa song, you can leave those gaps in there. You're dead right. All been said before, sometimes it's about what you don't play. great advantage of doing the solo acoustic thing is on one night you come to a given line and think, yeah, this needs to be screamed to the world. The very next night you think, no, no, this needs to be whispered to the world and you can just change your mind at the drop of a hat. Well, mate, I'm looking forward to seeing you. I'll give everybody the tour dates as well and uh, they can go along and see the 10th anniversary of the Six Strings Classic Tour. And um, thank you, mate. Really appreciate you coming in. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Oh, by the way, if you haven't seen the video yet, um, Ian, earlier on this evening, did a fantastic version of Bow River as well. Go to the Rubber Room Facebook page, you'll be able to see the video of that. Do you know how um, The X-Files is back on TV? And I only caught one episode on Sunday night, loved it, thought it was fantastic. Didn't get to see the next ones because I don't have all the equipment to tape things. You know, if they were still on video, I've still got a video cassette recorder, I could tape that. But then I was talking to one of the guys who works here and he said that the other day he found the copy of Rolling Stone magazine that's got Mulder and Scully on the cover when they were lying naked in bed with each other. And apparently that's worth a fortune. I said, no way, he said, yeah, collectors are after that. And he said, collectors also have a big interest in things like, I don't know if you remember, there was a Playboy magazine that was a bit of a piss tape that came out a few years ago that featured Marge Simpson as a Playboy bunny inside. And apparently if you can get hold of a copy of that, it's worth a fortune. And I think there's maybe a place where I can. There's an adult bookstore, which is just down the road from where I live. And if anybody is going to have a copy of the Playboy magazine with Marge Simpson as the Playboy bunny, they are. Well, I hope anyway. Thanks. Oh, mate, it's Phil at Triple M. Do you still have a copy of the Playboy magazine that had Marge Simpson in it? No, mate. The one with Marge Simpson? No, don't have it. Do you know the chick from The Simpsons, the mother from The Simpsons on the cover, and naked inside? No. You haven't got it? No. Really? Yeah, don't have it, mate. Have you got any Wonder Woman videos? No. Jessica Rabbit? What? Jessica Rabbit. No. Wilma and Barney Rubble, the sex video? No, mate. Coyote and the Roadrunner get into some S&M gear? No, mate. Don't have it. Elmer Fudd and the lap dancer? No. Bugs Bunny and the carrot? No, mate. Don't have it. Mickey Mouse doing the up shit with that ear? I don't think so. Popeye makes his other muscle grow big? Yeah, no, mate. SpongeBob SquarePants gets wet. No. I suppose the Daffy Duck's out of the question. Yeah, no. Porky Pig, Porking Pig? No, I haven't got, I ain't got none of those. Man. Shaggy, does Scooby Doo? Yeah, no. I've got a big Woody Woodpecker. No. Have you got Show Me Your Bat, man? Can't help you, buddy. Well, that's it. That's all I need. Uh, great. F- off then. Do you know who R. Kelly is, Sammy X? Yes, I do. Do you remember he had that song, uh, I Wish I Could Fly, from memory? I Believe I Can Fly. Is that the right? right? Okay, and the other one was Bump and Grind. And I only know that because I searched in the system here. And lo and behold, at some stage, Triple M played R. Kelly, Bump and Grind. Wow, that's amazing. Do you know this one? 
Yeah, of course I do. How's it going? With a little bumping cry. <laughs> do you actually know? So, G, oh no, Q Magazine decided to have a chat with R. Kelly, uh, and they spoke to him over three days. But um, he decided that rather than tell his life story, he wanted to sing it. And so he did a 45-minute interview singing about his life. That's what I do. Are we rolling? Are we rolling? Are we rolling? 45 minutes. This is my life. I'm Mark Kelly and this is my life. <laughs> 45 minutes. This is my life. This is my life. I'm Mark Kelly and this is my Lie. And at some stage during the 45-minute song, R. Kelly decided to sing about the time he had his first bicycle. Grew up on the south side of Chicago, born in 1967. Riding my bike, 14 years old. My mom said, you can go two blocks and come back. Okay, mama, two blocks and back. I promise two blocks and back. Would you like to sing a song about the day you've had today? Me? Yeah. Uh... I'm having a coffee and it's delicious. I came in on the train. I turned my laptop on. I thought about having some Subway for lunch. Went to Burger Project. All right, your turn. One, triple, three, five, three. Sing me a song about your day today. And now in the tradition of R. Kelly, who sang about his life for 45 minutes. Dave, how are you? I want to hear you sing about your day. Oh, yeah, not too bad, ugly Phil. Can you sing me the story of your day? Well, first I got in my car and I drove through the flaming traffic. It gave me a pain in the ass, but I finally got to work. Where I finally got a car park across the road where it's always very hard to, but oh, then I went in the joint. I went past my boss who didn't realise I was 10 minutes late. And I worked all day at work. And now I'm on my way home. (laughs) That's just beautiful. I want to release that as a single. Could change my life, mate. Hey, do you remember Goanna back in 1982 had a hit with Solid Rock? Lately, you may have heard a new version of that song by a guy called Scott Darlow with Shane Howard, originally from Goanna. They're here. They're about to play it live. Firstly, though, how did you two guys hook up? I think Scott definitely tracked me down. He played at a community festival near my house, and um, and I'd been singing this song live for years, and, and he's been a hero of mine since, like, literally since I started listening to music, and so I just I kind of stalked him out and said, hey, man, I'm your biggest fan. Kept in touch, and then I tracked the song in L.A. with my band, and we did the album in Orange County, and um, I wanted to get his blessing to release the single, and at that stage I didn't really consider that he would want to sing with me, but so I sent him a rough mix of it and just to say, hey, if you don't like it, I won't release it. And when he said he liked the version, then I thought, well, if you don't ask, you don't know. Yeah, of course. And he was good enough to say yes. And was that the first time you'd heard the version of it, Shane, or had you heard it before as well? No, it was. It was the first time I heard it. And I, I love the fact Scott is up front and he's persistent and uh, determined. When I heard the version, I loved it uh, because he kind of steered it away from you know the classic riff uh, and put this whole other take on it. I was really, yeah, I was really taken with it. Look, there's been a lot of versions of Solid Rock over the years, and um, including an American native version. All right. And I'd never thought of it having an application beyond these shores. That's good that you can be generous with the song. And I had a chat with um, Trent Reznor from Nine Inch Nails, and he was talking about Johnny Cash's version of Hurt. 
And the what first a vision. Time he, oh, incredible. But he said the yeah. first time he heard it, he was a little put out because he was saying, look, it's my song, you know. And he felt yeah. like somebody had taken one of his children, and even though he was grateful, and especially that Johnny Cash had done it, initially his initial reaction was, well, leave it alone. I know. It is funny. They are a bit like your children. I yeah. remember one time uh, a song I wrote in the Gulf Carpentaria when I was living up there, Talk of the Town, and I, I really wanted Slim Dusty to sing that song. It just transpired that John Farnham ended up doing a version of it. When I first heard it, I went, no, no, that's that was meant to be Slim Dusty. <laughs> but, of course, John's version was incredible and um, and did really, really well. Well, thank you both so much for coming in to Triple M to the Rubber Room. Dogman Peter Kane. How are you, Peter? I'm pretty f***ing good, Phil. How the hell are you doing, man? I enjoyed watching your video that you made for us as well. Thank you very much for that. Oh, you're very welcome. Hey, let's get to the phone, shall we? I've got Tabitha on the line. How are you, Tabitha? Good, thanks. How are you? You're on with New York City. Peter's on there, and uh, he can solve any issues you've got with a humping dog. Hi, Peter. Hi, Tabitha. How are you doing? Good, thank you. I hope you can help me. Okay, what's the problem? Well, um, we have an Aussie bulldog. He's eight years old. He's been desexed. If you've got bare legs for any reason, he's straight onto them, like rooting your leg. Are you familiar with the expression rooting, by the way, Peter? I don't know if you use that there. Uh, Yes, I I understand what you're saying. He's jumping on people's legs and humping, is that correct? That's exactly right. Exactly. Yeah, okay, that's a sign of a dominant dog and a dog that's confused about his status. Do you let your dog on the bed and furniture? Uh, He does get on the furniture, but not on the bed. Okay, you're going to have to keep him off the furniture. It confuses the dog's status, meaning the dog's seen itself as an equal. And that's a dog behavior is what we're talking about, this humping behavior. That's what dogs will do. They'll dominate other dogs. You need to send the message to your dog that it is a dog. So any of these things like give, do you give the dog people food? Well, I don't personally, but my daughter, who's three, gives him people food often, and he likes her a lot too. I'm sure he does. I'm sure he does. But that is really uh-huh. bad for the dog, and it's once again, it's sending the incorrect message to your dog. So maybe you could take your dog when your daughter's eating or something, put the dog in another room, and start sending uh-huh. this correct message to the dog that it really, it isn't an equal. This is a human world. It's not empire of the dogs. It's an empire of the humans. All these things that we do that anthropomorphizing the dog and everything, it's not helpful for your relationship with your canine, and there's nothing more embarrassing than your friend walks in and then your dog starts humping it. Because you know how you said it only humps bare legs? Yes. What about if you wear stockings? Look, honestly, he'll get you if you've got a pair of jeans on too. Can I suggest you don't shave your legs? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I was just about to say, isn't that funny? We always thought that the dog had the problem, and now actually we have the humping problem because yeah. we're giving it to him. <laughs> exactly. You know, if you weren't That's walking correct. around the house like such a hussy... Tell me about it. I can't even run to the toilet in the middle of the night in me undies. <laughs> actually, hang on a second, because Peter Kane has a story about... Somebody sending him a photo from the toilet after this. So, Tabitha, you were talking a moment ago about how your dog tries to hump your leg in the middle of the night when you go to the bathroom. Peter has a stalker who couldn't go to the toilet. Yes, she was smoking hot, but, you know, she was addicted to pills and then she was taking the pills that doctors give you. She's still addicted. And all those opiates make people not take a dump. And that's, oh, God. you know, she never dumped. And then she what? sent me a picture when she finally dumped and it was a total turn off. <laughs> Such a bummer. You poor bastard. So she sent you oh, a photo of what me. she dumped or a photo of herself? 
She sent me photos of herself and they were very, very tastefully done. They, you know, it's nothing that I would want to show anybody. They were great. Yeah. But then she took a picture of her dump after she took a dump. Nice. And after I saw her dump, it was a total turnoff. I just couldn't deal with oh, her anymore. I can't see why. Did you say to her, look, you're hot, but I'm not interested unless I see that you've been to number twos? No way not to, Phil. I'm talking about... Really? Like the- I, I, Tabitha, have you ever, Phil. when you've dated someone, no. said to them, how often like, do you go to the bathroom? No, never. And I don't ask the partner either. Peter, what's wrong with you, man? Man, she was hot, Phil. What do you want me to say? Yeah, she I've seen so hot women. Hot. I don't if, ask them how often they go to the bathroom. If she was so hot, how come you weren't just trying to get into her pants? Why were you talking about her taking a crap? Because if you like oh, you a guy, did. you're not going to say to him, you're so cute, you're so hot, and hey, yeah. by the way, I haven't took a shit in a month, and I'm going to pop any day now. Yeah. Once Tabitha, I finish, Tabitha would you like a photo of it? adorable, by the way. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. That, that's sort of like the icing on the cake, so to speak, on, isn't it, the photo? You missed that, Tabitha. He's trying to head on to you now. You really oh, do. Oh, thank you. sound adorable. I don't really look adorable. I'm a bit of an old lady, but anyway. Maybe we could be pen pals. Oh, maybe. Tabitha, I'm checking in yeah, with sure, you in a, in a month's time, and I want to know what kind of questions he's going to ask you, okay? I'll send him some pictures. Peter, where do people find you on this wicked world wide web? Are you on the dark web? Yes, you can find me on YouTube, Peter Kane Dog Training. That's probably the best place to find me. Talk to you next week, dude. Yeah, sounds good. Thanks, Phil. Thanks, Bye-bye. Phil. A lot of people say to me, Phil, what do you do when you're not on the radio? Do you go out and do loads of drugs and hang out with prostitutes and strippers? No. Not anymore. What I like to do is just sit at home and listen to some talkback radio. Oftentimes, and I did this the other night, the guy who's doing the overnight show that I listen to on talkback radio seemed to be short of callers, so I thought, what if I can get on his show? And then I thought, what if I get on? I'm going to need something because I'm going to have to have outrage because if you're going to call talkback radio, you've got to have outrage. So I came up with some outrage and I managed to get on. And this is Son of Australia with your host, Greg Silverman. Uh, we have got our next caller on the line, and it's Phil. Good morning, Phil. Pleasure to be on your show. I want to talk to you about garbage collectors. The garbage collectors, yeah, where would we be without them hard-working Australians, mate? That's it. G'day to all the garbos. We've got a lot of them listening to this program, and uh, where would we be without them and their sanitation? Well, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because, well, the, the guys on my street are usually pretty good, but there's one guy in particular who um, I've noticed doesn't wear gloves when he collects the bins. And to be honest with you, Greg, I'm pretty outraged by the diseases that he... He could get. Spreading. No, no, no. I'm concerned that because he's not wearing gloves when he's picking up my bin, he's touching other people's bins, he's spreading germs to my bins because he doesn't wear gloves. Look, uh, <laughs> I think you might have an ass about there, buddy. Uh, I, I don't know if that's really... A, I, I thought for a moment you were suggesting well, no, there... you the other guys wear gloves, Greg. And, yeah, they do. Uh, they do. In a... And imagine the germs that he's transmitting from all of the bins that he picks up well, to the handles of my bin, and then I pick up the bin, and this Zika mosquito disease going around. Yeah, there uh, is. There is very, very worrying, that. Very, very I mean, worrying. Yeah, Hard-working you know, Aussies being affected on, by it. Don't you think that that's outrageous? Listen, I'd be the uh, I'd be the last man in the room to say something against the, uh, the hard-working Australians working in the sanitation industry. However, I'm also... Uh, concerned with the welfare and well-being of our listeners, of which you yeah, count yeah, yourself you know, one, Phil. So you may have a point. Do. Now, he should be wearing yeah. his... I think you'll find OHS would have something to say. Yeah. May I ask you what council we're, we're talking about or is this private contractor? Uh, the Bunyip Council. 
Bun, yeah? Yeah. Anyway, I just thought maybe if I told you about it. So let me just get this right. Uh, the, the, the crew come through, generally doing a fantastic job as the, the Garbo's all over Australia. And good morning, fellas. Uh, but what you're saying is one of the fellas is not wearing gloves. That's it. And I, I just. All right, Phil. Well, thank you for that. We'll take that up further if we get the opportunity with the Bunya Council. But uh, we'll move on now. Our next caller, Inya. Hello, Inya. Good morning. <laughs> I wasn't prepared for the question. What council have you got? Oh, the, uh, the Bunya Council. Yeah, I think I've been there. <laughs> so, anyway, next week I'm going to call him again, see if I can get back on the air, and I'm going to say how I want smoking banned in my suburb. Oh, that's fair enough. We have David Strassman. You know David Strassman was on Hey Hey It's Saturday. We're about to put a video on the Rubber Room Facebook page of something you've never seen a puppet do before. Uh, David's here, and of course the puppet, the ventriloquist dummy, Chuck Wood as well. Now the question I get asked all the time is how I got started. It was a hot summer night. His parents are drunk in the backseat of the car. Now that car was shaken. Would you stop it? <laughs> David Strassman and Chucky, welcome to the Rubber Room. A lot of people must think, you know, he's a guy who works with puppets and ventriloquism. Are you slightly mad? Well, think about it. In, in my latest show, I, Teddy, I do, for my second act, I have five puppets, that which I'm operating robotically, which I did a little taste of it. I operate five characters with a handheld wireless device, and I'm doing their mouths live. It's a six-way conversation, including me, for 25 minutes. I mean, it's not like, hello, hello, hello. Yeah, 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 sure, it's yeah. a full-on conversation, and yeah. it's hilarious, and it's disturbing, and we're all talking about what is real and what isn't? How come I can't get a word in here, Edgewise? Because I'm talking. Because <laughs> he's, he's yeah. got the hand. I got, I got the hand, <laughs> not the ass. That's right. And you wonder, okay, so how does this guy do that? He must go home, and when he's by himself, you know, talk to the cup of tea and the kettle. Mm. Do I suffer from multiple personality disorder? I would call all you know really creative people dysfunctional. Truly, the true greats border on madness. I found this fantastic record, which will teach you to be a ventriloquist. Oh yeah, I'm ready to hear this. This is something I found. It goes. Back to the 70s. Uh, I don't know why the guy who is teaching you to be a ventriloquist, he's uh, a hillbilly. So why he's a hillbilly, right. I don't know. In America, there are an entire contingent of evangelistic ventriloquists who tour churches and give sermons and speeches with their puppets. Wow. They're really Muppety, which is one, one thing I've always stayed away from. Yeah. You know, the, the Muppet look is great for Sesame Street, yeah. but for my show. Muppets for Jesus. Muppets <laughs> for on. Jesus. There we go. All right, here's the record. Have a listen to this. How to be a ventriloquist. Here we go. First thing you got to do in your first lesson here is <laughs> you got to get down real low. Grunt. Drunk? Grunt. Oh. Yes. Sounds like he's Let's go together. One, two, three. So you can yeah. three. learn with it. Is that a technique you use? It actually is a ventriloquial technique. So he actually may have some semblance well, of a skill there. Oh, yeah, he does. And uh, I mean, what you do is you have to find a voice that's different from your own. Because yeah. if your voice sounds like you, it's not going to work. Right, okay. If you can go like it, and it won't be long until you can be on your voice. All you have to do is just keep practicing. So we'll just go together with a word now. Do you think that's his real voice? Yeah, definitely. Are you ready for a word? Yes, yeah, sure. Just say Bill. 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 Bill, I'm ready. Hey, Bill. He's teaching the faraway voice. Oh, is that the faraway one? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the faraway hillbilly. Yeah, like, uh... Hello! It's a faraway hillbilly voice. So let's grunt again. We're going to grunt again? Ah! Uh, uh, Bill! 
Bill. How was I? Was I good? Because I've been studying that for weeks now. Well, Census Radio, you were fantastic. Yeah, thank you very much. Yeah. And so are you. Well, I'm taking my show everywhere. Well, it's not hard, really. It's a suitcase. Uh, actually, I, mean, I don't want to downplay it. No, 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 no. It's a full-on production show that lives in a six-ton truck. It was going really well until the end there, yeah. wasn't I? Until your true colors came yeah, out. Yeah, I couldn't help you myself. Just, uh, you just used that voice. Bill. That, that, yeah, just it, you do the grunting voice <laughs> in the background. Gotta think when, about when constipation. When and you're sitting on the toilet. <laughs> thank you again, both of you. David Strassman. may come as a bit of a surprise to you, but there's other strings to my bow. You know, this, this ain't the only thing I can do, man. Hello, recruitment. Jenny speaking. Yeah, hey, it's Phil here at Triple M. Listen, I'm just looking for a bit of extra part-time work, and I wonder if you can help me out. Right, okay, Phil. Um, no worries. What kind of um, job are you looking for? Well, I've got a bit of experience as a cork soaker. A cork soaker. Yeah, you know, as in when you go to the vineyards, um, you know, you have a, a cork. Uh, or in a bottle shop, you know, if you have a cork. I'm the person that soaks them. I'm a cork soaker. And Do you have um, positions for cork soakers? Not, not that I can think of off the top of my head. Um, really? No. What, what kind of skills does the cork soaking actually, like, entail? Well, you soak cork so that it'll right. fit in the bottle. I've um, been... <laughs> cork soaker most of my life in fact in fact my dad said I was born to soak cork cork soakers are born not made he always used to say let me um okay let me ask you um do you have any other transferable skills maybe to other industries from from the well I guess it would work yeah in the bottling industry although they tend to you know use the plastic tops now I mean you know um once you've soaked cork you can you know probably never go back right and how how long have you been cork soaking for most of my life in fact really yeah at school I soaked a lot of cork (laughs) Right. Um, and do you do you just want to work in the local area? If there's a cork, I'll soak it. Um, I'm probably going to have to get back to you. I'll okay. Take... I don't just do that, though. I can also, you know, obviously down at the vineyard, uh, what I often do is I massage the grapes until the cork is ready <laughs> to be soaked. Right. I, I, I definitely don't have anything on my books at the moment. Um, For a cork soaker? No. You, the way uh, you act. I, I have definitely... you ever seen a cork soaker? I've never recruited for one. No. You haven't lived, madam. <laughs> um, I'll definitely look into it. I can't promise you anything, but right, I will, yeah, um, yeah. I'll be in contact shortly, okay? Nice to talk to you. Thanks. Thank you, Phil. This is the Rubber Room at Triple M. And speaking of rubber, Derek, let me get this right. You've made a Beyonce blow-up doll. We've made a lot of this stuff over the years. We've made Tiger Woods blow-up dolls. We've made Jessica Simpson, Sarah Jessica Porco, we called one. We've done a lot of stuff. We actually are working right now on a Lady Gang gig, we call her, which is Lady Gaga. Did you inadvertently call yeah. her Sarah Jessica Porco there? Yeah. You're just a businessman. Yeah. You're just trying to uh, make a buck, man. Exactly. All right, and what's the uh, fastest seller at the moment? Well, the Lady Gang gig is going to be huge. And people are really excited about that. We just started pre-selling that now, so it's going to get a lot of, a lot of exposure on that. Is it a hermaphrodite? No, no, I, I, we were thinking about doing that. It's funny you say that. But, you know, in one of the taglines I put, this doll's so dirty, even, even it smells. What's it made out of? Plastic, you know, usually vinyl. Oh, I don't know the usual. I've never actually had one. I'm going to be honest with you. Although oh, I'm sorry. I'm, I was just saying a sample. I didn't think of it. Can you send us a Beyonce doll? And I'll tell you why. Sure. Because we get a lot of people, a lot of rock stars that come through here. Beautiful. It'll be worldwide news, mate. I'll ship you a whole bunch of dolls, don't you worry. I'm not a big fan. I just, you know, I just like making fun of people, so she was just the next person in line. Right. Well, listen, look out for worldwide headlines, because you're going to be on TMZ. You're going to be on Entertainment Tonight, you know. I'm loving it. I'm loving it. If you can send us one, I'll send you photos of various celebrities 
of, uh, of, of huge you stature. And, they, and you can put them on your website as well so people can see how nicely and widely the product's being used. Sounds great. All right, the onus now is on you, Sammy X, when the uh, Beyonce doll arrives. If we get somebody like Ozzy Osbourne, just try and get them together and we'll just get some photos, get a bit of press for the show. You with me? Do I have to blow it up? That's a lot of questions there. That's a good question. I have no idea. Okay. Oh, are you cool with that? Okay, yeah, if I have to. The night's just taken an unusual twist, ladies and gentlemen. Hey, do you know how we spoke to that guy, Derek, a moment ago, who's got the uh, blow-up Beyonce doll? Yeah. Have a listen to him talking again, because I want you to hear something. We've made a lot of this stuff over the years. We've made Tiger Woods blow-up dolls. We've made Jessica Simpson... Sarah Jessica Porco, we called one. We've done a lot. Who does he remind you of? Whose voice has he got there? Oh, he reminds me of, um, oh, what's that guy's name? The Dice Man! Yeah. Andrew Dice Clay! Yes! Hickory Dickory Duck! Yes! What does the Dice Man say? That thing that you just said. Yeah! Whoa! Here's to you! And then that bit that I can't go. Whoa! You know what I'm saying about Yeah. Do you want to hear the Dice Man on CNN? Lose of course it I do, yeah, of course. Let's talk a little bit about uh, where your career has been. <laughs> I can't because you, you know of course, I mean? you were you were a headline guy. I'm and still then a headline guy. You know what I mean? For a while you popped out, now you're coming back. For I a while back. for a while it's you were actually do, you were you know running I mean? you were running a gym. Tell us about that. Running a gym? Weren't you running you a gym at some point? You're supposed to be a news guy. You this aren't? is ridiculous. I come on CNN and the guy don't even know what he's talking about. Go ahead. You're no point where you're running a gym? Um, no, no, running a gym? What, no, you, you need a workout or something? Out? Jesus f***ing with these guys. I come on the news for two seconds and, and you want to say, every All time right. I do an interview, a guy wants to open his f***ing mouth. Can't All right, even Andrew, do a little f***ing routine much. here. We thought that you, you know could what, hold go f*** yourself, you know what? All I'm right. We'll go back to uh, talking about Art Carney. Fill you in on the Art Carney situation. That's called the Dice Man. It's been ages. He's a friend of the Rubber Room. What time would it be in Vegas right now? He'd be awake, wouldn't he? I've got no idea. Let's call, call the Dice Man. See if we can get him on. Hey, the Dice Man. Hey, oh, you know where I'm coming from. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Yeah, all right. Maybe we'll get him on after this. So what time is it in Las Vegas at the moment? What time is it? 3 a.m. 3 o'clock in the morning. And our old buddy Andrew Dice Clay is awake. How are you, man? Hey, what's happening? When are you coming back to Oz, Dice? I never go anywhere. Once you've been out the front door, that's it, right? You've seen everything. You know what? I just never had an interest going around the world. And I get so many... You know, Australian people in my audiences in Vegas. Raising Hope? They got rid of that too soon. The uh, TV show? Yeah. You know, sometimes they just cancel stuff. If people cancel on you, you should knock on their door at midnight with an empty pizza box. I have. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I pride myself on supposedly being one of the greats, so I don't rely on the old stuff. How was the Celebrity Apprentice experience? You know, I totally forgot I even did it till you brought that up. Thank God they fired me first episode so I could get... They were waking me 5 in the morning and I was like, I'm not into this. I don't go to bed till 4.35 and they're waking me up. And I'm going, for what? Why am I here? I'm going to single-handedly kill a crocodile, an alligator in your language, and I'm going to make you a leather coat that you won't believe, brother. Well, maybe you could find one that's already made. You've offended my sewing it, skills? What's this about? Maybe I'll punch a crocodile in the face. Got to touch you in the rubber room, Dice. Thanks for taking our call, man. All right, bye. Hey! Hickory dickory. You, you know how it goes. You may find this a bit disturbing. He hounded me. Go! Weekly on Triple M, the rubber room.